Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 44. Welcome back, world. Thank you for joining me again. Again, hello to... There are people listening from all corners of the earth, and I really do, and I will continue to, thank you for joining me every single week. I really do appreciate it. And people in some parts of the world where... um, where being LGBTQ is not always as straightforward as it is for me in London. So thank you. Keep listening. Now, this week, episode 44, is with the wonderful and marvellous Mr Ian Hallard. Now, Ian is an old friend. He's not old, but he's a friend of quite a few years now. Um, Ian's an actor um, and colleague of mine, as I say, and uh, we have acted together in a play called Lilies, and you've met some of those uh, actors previously through other podcasts of mine. Um, Ian is always busy. Ian has been in the West End, uh, was in Boys in the Band in the West End, um, has done other bits and pieces, uh, has been at the National, um, various television shows, including the wonderful, marvellous Doctor Who, um, but I'll let him tell us all about that. So back to Ian shortly. Now, in London... In June in 2018. Oh, July. It's July. Um, Anyway, you don't care because you might be listening in January 2020. But anyway, I'm recording this in July 2018. And we are experiencing a heat wave in London. And I do love the sunshine, as listeners know. But this is just starting to be a little bit too much at the moment. So I'm just hoping, I'm hoping for a thunderstorm to cool us all down. But the reason I'm saying is because generally there's quite a good vibe in London currently. Uh, yesterday, this will mark it in time, um, England beat Colombia um, in penalty shootouts during the World Cup, uh, which means that it takes them through to the semi-finals. I'm not a massive football fan, but uh, it was quite exciting, and it was wonderful to hear, uh, with our windows open on a summer's evening, hearing the cheers coming from all over London, not just in our building, but coming from down the street and quite a ways away, um, and hearing people happy about something. So I hope and pray that England might go through and perhaps win this thing for us. That would be wonderful. It's coming home, it's coming home, football's coming home. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's a song. Um, anywho, so um, everyone's very excited about that. Apparently five million people <laughs> are pulling sickies, according to the Evening Standard, the London Evening Standard. Five million people are pulling sick leave um, at work today because of celebrations due to the football, which is an interesting concept. Um, I have to say, I did pop to the store not long ago and it was very quiet. Anyway, tiddly-tattle, I'm just waffling. Um, also, Wimbledon started, so let's see how we do in that. Wouldn't that be marvellous if we just were to, to win everything? I don't even ma- don't even care about sport that much. But anyway, keeping going. Um, I uh, had my 50th birthday. And as a lot of you who've listened to this podcast from well, a few podcasts ago, even back to the beginning, is I have said that I'm not going to change it because it is now a brand and I have a website. And I, I, and as has been argued by friends, I'm still 40-something. I'm 40... I'm, for, I'm 40... I'm 40-11. <laughs> I'm 40-10. Um, God, my maths is terrible. But anyway, I, we're going to stick with 40-something um, for the next 
for the foreseeable future until I feel that it's time to rebrand. But at the moment, we're going to keep with that um, as people recognise it. So I think that's allowed. So yeah, staying with that one. Um, Also, uh, I have news, other news. Um, For my birthday, a very, very dear friend of mine has written a play for, uh, well, for me as a birthday present and has been doing workshops with other actors and has a director. And I don't want to say too much, but I'm extremely, well, obviously very flattered, but also very excited. And I've read it and I think it's got so much potential. Um, And I don't want to say too much about it yet because I don't want to tempt fate. I've started believing in tempting fate, which is silly for somebody who's mindful and all about mindfulness. Um, But anyway, yeah, I'm not going to say too much more about it, but I'm just very excited and I look forward to perhaps in in the next couple of months, perhaps telling you a little bit more about that. But anyway, um, very excited and a brilliant, brilliant birthday present. But anyway, um, I want to tell you all, but I won't. I've got a couple of voice gigs coming up um, immediately and, um, and things are okay. Work's ticking over. And other, other details to be released soon. Now, this week's uh, recommendations are, well, there's one that I do want to stress that everybody should watch all over the world if you have the ability of getting on Netflix. Um, some of you may have seen it around the world um, live, whether you saw it at the Edinburgh Festival or you've seen it at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Um, is uh, a lady called Hannah Gadsby. Um, she's an Australian comic, and I know her originally from a show called Please Like Me, written by um, a very funny gentleman called Josh Thomas. It's Again, it's a very LGBTQ-themed show, um, and uh, I love it. And if you can get hold of that, then do. Um, I know it was airing on stations in the US... And I don't know what channel. It's, a, it's an Australian show. Um, but there are ways and means of getting a hold of it. But however, Hannah Gadsby has done a show um, called Nanette. Now, it's I think it's one of the most important pieces of comedy theatre. I don't know really how best to describe it. The best way is to go and watch it. I mean, it begins as a very funny stand-up set. But then it becomes uh, it becomes an emotional really emotional essay on on gender and sexuality and homophobia and 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 childhood childhood traumas and there are moments that are not necessarily very easy to listen to but I think that's really what is intended I believe that's what's intended um I'd say it's of all the things I've ever recommended this is probably the as far as watching uh something on on tv or on um wherever you may watch your Netflix, is definitely this is the one. Um, 100% must watch. Uh, if you're not feeling brilliant or you're feeling slightly fragile, maybe uh, leave it to another day. But anyway, I can only recommend it. Um, I think it's genius and everybody needs to hear this in this current... the way the world is currently. Anyway, um, that's Hannah Gadsby. But then also I did mention in the last podcast and I said I would if I did like it, is the Carter's album, Everything is Love. Now, um, I'm the, my love for the album is growing. 
and the Carters for people who, uh, if you are, I don't know, if you don't know who the Carters are, then you probably you're missing out on popular culture in quite a big way. The Carters are, of course, Beyonce and Jay Z, um, and that's who they've released this album. Everything is love under that name. Now there is one track in particular that has caught my imagination, and I'm I'm in love with, and I'm playing over and over again called Boss. Um, now, Boss is is kind of, I suppose, is Beyonce back in control of the situation after they both had they both released uh, albums on their own, um, quite personal albums, sort of talking about the turmoils of their relationship, and um, I think there was a lot of anger, certainly from there was a lot of anger from Beyonce's part, and um, and and, and uh, Jay Z was quite humbled I think humbly no he was yeah he was he was being humble I suppose you'd say uh, anyway blasey blah that's that that's those albums but this one is kind of about the coming out of those turmoils carrying on be- because and after the turmoil um and and how they feel about it and interestingly it does seem like Beyonce is very very much in control of the whole situation now is all I'll say um, especially on this track I'm talking about in particular called Boss anyway I love it and I'll probably give you more on that album if the rest grows on me I say I do like quite a lot of it but I didn't want to give it a full review yet until I was in love with it anyhow it is time to jump in with the wonderful and marvellous Mr Ian Hallard Okay. We started. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Hello, Matt. Thank you for uh, being a lovely person and inviting me into your house to have a little chat this afternoon. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And we do have company. We have a couple of lovely dogs with us, so if they do join in, that's good. We're very happy to have them as guests. They're quite too. quiet, generally. They this are one big. might start squeaking his, his um, cuddly... Pheasant. Cuddly pheasant. That, which isn't a euphemism. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, what a lovely cuddly pheasant. Um, hello. So, um, first of all, we should explain how we came to know each other in the first place. Well, we were married between the years <laughs> 1983 and... No, we weren't. It was we? tough. <laughs> it was tough. I was a child bride. Yeah. Um, uh, we met doing a, a wonderful play called uh, Lily's which was yes. produced by Greenwich Theatre, and that was 2012. I can always remember uh, what year that always sticks in my mind for some reason. Olympics. Yes, yes. Um, that, I don't think that's the reason. That's not the reason. Because it's a sporting... Yeah, I know. Uh, as, as, as wonderful as the Olympics were, and wasn't that a, wasn't that a happy time for this country and this, yes. this city compared to where we are now? Um, yeah, yes. Anyway, let's, we, well, then, we, yes, we won't yes. get depressing yet, already yet. too soon. Not yet. Um, yeah, in 2012, which we then, um, well, we started off in Dublin. I was trying to think, did we only do a week in Dublin? Is that what it we was? We did a week in Dublin. And did we do a week in London? In Greenwich? Yes. And the whole thing wasn't actually... It was probably slightly less than a week, wasn't it? It was. And then it, it felt like such a... Well, because it, it was a big deal, but... It, the actual number of performances we did was probably comparatively. We did Brighton as well, didn't we? Oh, there you go. Because we suddenly there had to, we, we suddenly had to truncate the whole thing into a much smaller space, um, and we yes. were practically sitting on the audience's laps at that point. I'd forgotten Brighton. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a very happy time, a very happy coming. And I always think when I think back to it as well, I think 
three of the funniest things that kind of have happened to me on stage I associate with that mm. production. And I know actors telling funny stories about things that have happened on stage are second only to hearing about people's dreams in terms of overall <laughs> tediousness because they're the epitome of oh you had to be there moments aren't you and because whenever you tell stories like that people are, are but, but the crowd bites the crowd face some some people well so I, go I, on, go I must admit I, I personally think they're funny um so I'll skim over the, the and I'll, I'll do them in reverse order I, yeah. <laughs> um there was the one if you remember that final production run we did producers run which for anyone who's not okay with the term basically when you get to the end of a rehearsal process you usually get whoever's put the money in up for a show turns up to watch the show so obviously it's slightly nerve-wracking uh-huh. and for some reason we moved from where we'd been rehearsing the rest of the time into a new rehearsal space yes which had very slippy wooden floors and as part of the show there was also a big tin bathtub which got which, which was filled up with water from the start, wasn't yeah, it? I don't think it got yeah. filled up during the show. Um, yes, and no, one, of the, filled, yeah. one of the boys in the show uh, got naked and got into the bath. Yeah. Um, and I was playing uh, this fabulous uh, character called Lydia de Rosier, who I was basically basing on all, all the sort of super bitches from 80s American primetime soaps. Oh, yes, and she was a marvellous... Um, who had an awful lot of uh, who, who was a complete bitch but also a lot of dignity and whatever yeah. and we were all barefoot um, and because we were in this new space we were doing the producer's run I'd done my big final sort of scene where I was dumped by my by my toy boy and, and trying to leave with the maximum amount of dignity um, and there was there ended up being water all over the floor and I slipped on the water and went flat on my ass. Yes. and you could hear the kind of gasp shot because everyone's going oh god is he alright and I got up, and I, was, and I was absolutely fine, completely relaxed, said, and continued with my exit, and went down again. <laughs> went yes. down straight away again and fell over again. And um, you hit the deck hard. I really did, I really did. And you could kind of tell everyone kind of going, oh, God, we should obviously, because in that situation you're supposed to just carry on whatever happens, but they were clearly going, has he injured himself? Yeah. And, and I was absolutely fine. Um, but that was... Slightly bruised, perhaps. Yes, yeah. My dignity more than anything else. <laughs> yes. oh, but God, then the, yes. other, the other two were actually on stage in front of an audience, and it was you giving your very moving death scene, um, playing um, uh, the matriarch of the, of the show. The Countess. With, with, um, who was suffering from dementia and basically had asked her son to, to uh, kill her, to commit euthanasia. Um, and there was a big sort of dramatic scene where David playing your son had to bury you in the earth and, and kind of smother you to That's death. That's right. Um, and in the silence in your dying moments, every obviously muscle straining and tension, and then finally the 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 the, the, the moment of death, and you let out your final gasp, and also let out a, a fart, <laughs> a rip as well, which everybody in the auditorium heard, and of course, and and obviously anatomically very correct, because I understand in that moment the bowels go and everything, but. This that one was purposeful. One of the perils of, of that show is it's, it was one of those where the director has the, the genius idea of having the entire cast on stage the entire time, yes. watching all the scenes you're not in, and then the moments you just come into the drama, you step. So we were all sitting there, and of course, having to not laugh. But my, and I, I know you've had John Sears on the show, and he, he won't, he won't, 
forgive me for, for bringing this up, but I think but this, go for it this anyway. is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me on stage, and I hope I haven't, I haven't over-egged it and built it up too much now. Go but on. the premise of the show, as you know, Matt, yes. was that it was a play within a play, and just like in Hamlet, uh, one of the characters decides to prick the conscience of the king by, by staging a play about what really happened in the past. Yes. And it's a similar idea in this. It was set in an all-male prison, hence why Matt and I were playing uh, female characters. Yeah. And the character whose conscience was being pricked was the elderly bishop who John was playing. Um, so the whole play was being performed by the prisoners for him and basically showing how he was really the guilty party for, for, for why this guy had ended up in prison. Um, and at one point, John was supposed to leap to his feet in outrage, and I, I can't, I'm paraphrasing madly because I don't remember the exact line, but it was something like, this is an outrage, a, a, a calumny, uh, this is a, a gross perversion of the truth, this is not what happened, yeah. and, and uh, something particular, something far more eloquent than that. And John had one of those moments we all dread where we just forget the lines and dry, and he leapt to his feet, and all he could go was, this is... This is awful. (laughs) (laughs) When you're performing a play within a play and one of the other characters gives you that kind of critique on your performances, you just go, oh my God. (laughs) Whilst scanning across the rest of the cast. Yes, yeah, exactly. So there we go. So I have very happy memories. Yes. Not just because it was a great play as well, but those were particularly lingering moments. Moments of, yes, so no, thank you for for keeping keeping up with that. But... um, (laughs) tell us where you were born when Uh, i was born in birmingham in the west midlands in 1974 um first son to my two parents i've got a younger brother as well um and then i grew up in uh solihull which is slightly south of birmingham one of the suburbs um yeah and lived there until i went off to university and how was schooling for you did you enjoy school basically um yes and no up to my I loved primary school um and I I cried when I left when I left primary school I think I was just I was a very I was a very well behaved little boy something of a something of a swat I think um and I loved and I I don't uh, mum has kept our old school reports and I think pro- possibly my earliest school report I would have been in reception or year one or whatever they call it what now it was. Yeah. Um, which is when you're about what five or something like that yeah and then the comment from my teacher was um, it was like Mrs. Mrs. Jennings was worried that Ian just wanted to work all, all day but he's now starting to learn that playtimes can be fun too <laughs> thought, oh my goodness what, a sad little picture oh of that goodness. little boy <laughs> didn't want to no I'm staying no, in exactly that's right I'm going to clear up the bookcases yes and... I don't want to be running around with all the, with oh all the boisterous goodness. little boy <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. so yeah no I loved I loved school I enjoyed I, I, certainly primary school and the first three years of junior 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 school yeah. I enjoyed very much and then the then halfway through my last year my teacher left and we inherited this awful teacher called Mrs Alford who Mrs. Alford. Alford. She oh. was who was as awful as she was Alford. Um, <laughs> and I hated her because she was that combination of she was strict but she wasn't fair. Okay, yeah. um, and she shouted a lot, she had a foul temper and she was lazy and she couldn't be asked teaching us. She just we spent like half a year we had a there was a big trip to London which we went to during the, that year and 
her, she, um, and, and after that, her constant refrain was, oh, get out your London board games, because we had to kind of make up a board game. And that was it. That's, she didn't bother. She was supposed to be teaching English and history and all kind of things. Um, uh, one of those. Yeah, and I hate it. I hated that. And I still, I don't know if this happens to you, but I, occasionally I still have, I have a dream about her where I'm the age I am now yeah. and she is, she's, is, she is now I, I, she's still alive and, yeah. Yeah. And, and we're in a situation where I and I, I finally tell her exactly what I think of her <laughs> in a terribly dramatic way <laughs> I do that do you, do you do that and she's still dressed in the, in the yeah the, yeah she still well she looks as she did then although I know she is as she is now do you have do you have dreams like that where you kind yeah, of write actually, past wrongs y- yeah yeah not, not not revenge dreams but I suppose yes where I don't kill her or anything I just tell her what I thought <laughs> it's just expressing your... yeah yeah I mean it's quite... no you're right you know I, yes I have had it those... must be quite therapeutic in I a way it must happen to everybody mm. no now, you, now you're saying I can think of what, not with a teacher but with actually with a somebody from school who who wronged me yeah who was a not a bully but was was my comp- actually was my competition was my competition as, as, as kind of resident homosexual of the year. Uh, okay. And I, that I, was I mean, an official title, presumably. Yeah, yeah. I had the badge. Yeah, yeah. Got it in, uh, in cubs, <laughs> along with sewing. <laughs> but no, we, we, we were both aware of the other one being, and that, no, we, didn't, we weren't out. No, no, of course. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. long story short, I still have dreams where he, yes, where I, 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 where I, I, I wrong the, I right the wrongs. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway. I think I think perhaps as well because injustices are more keenly, even more keenly felt when you're a kid, aren't they? I think that's they, they, that sort of stuff stays with you. Shh. <laughs> um, Is that enough? Yeah, it's just being pestered by the puppy. Yeah. Um, although I did when I was I was staying in Maidenhead over Christmas, um, I was working there. It wasn't by choice, <laughs> and I think just by proximity and due to the fact that I knew it was Theresa May's constituency I had about three dreams whilst I was there where a similar thing happened there um, and I um, I gave her a piece of my mind about oh, really? that stuff and then not long after that I was in I dreamt god what was I saying earlier about the only thing being more tedious than actors funny dreams now I'm telling you my <laughs> dreams. dreams god no. you can edit all this out um, <laughs> they're good I, so far I had a dream oh wait for it it goes downhill right? <laughs> I had a dream where I was at a, a, a house party and, and Thatcher was there Oh. And someone had introduced me and said, "Oh, Ian's such a big fan of yours." And I was like, "I'm not." And then I started, um, started sort of haranguing her. And we'd recent, we'd only just seen a repeat of the Helen Mirren Elizabeth I TV series. Yeah. And there's the scene right at the end where where Lester charges into her bath, into her chambers, and she's not ready. She's sitting there without her makeup on and without a wig. Yeah. And we just. Watch that. I'm sure this is obviously what that was. This was referred to because I got so irate with Thatcher in this dream. I I reached forward and pulled her wig off, and she was kind of bald underneath, uh-huh, yeah. like just a la Elizabeth the first. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. That's a oh um, little bit of analysis for you there. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> who has a history of <laughs> prime ministers. Exactly. Well, yeah. Fe- but I don't know. I, I hope this isn't as something. That's, it's specifically female. Well, it's Tory specifically leaders. say it's a party rather than a yeah than a than a sex, isn't it? <laughs> I um, hope so. <laughs> I'm starting to get worried. Uh, um, I have one about David Cameron tonight. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, not in that way. No, no. Edit that out. Definitely edit that out. There was a time when I remember thinking, I remember having a conversation with somebody about 
that he could be attractive in the right light. Anyway, that's another Ooh, story. Gosh. Yes, I, I, I don't. Although like that Nick Clegg, we see that used. To, there you go. You see. <laughs> Lots of dreams ahead. <laughs> Plenty of nights. Of, I uh, never have. We're putting I mean, it out to all the all the listeners as well. And if you don't know who these people are because they're somewhere else in the world, do investigate because you'll be shocked about <laughs> what we're talking about when you look at Nick Clegg. Anyway, um, so going back to school, uh, not something that I'd want to do. Um, so anyway, so you left primary, shall we say? Primary yes. School. Yeah. Um, you went into middle school, and uh, so you were. Quite academically minded and happy with yeah. and continued to be a yeah, yeah. studious and yeah no I was yeah I um, well I went to an all boys school after that um, right and it was it was it was a private school but I got a scholarship I wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. afford to go mm-hmm. any, any, uh, anyway so I was other than that so yeah so which in retrospect uh, I, I wasn't happy there just because um, I think if if, if you're a gay. Um, people's eyes sort of light up and you go, oh, you were in all boys' school. And go, honestly, nothing happened. Although, or, or, or if it did, I was blissfully a, a, unaware of it. Party too. Actually, I think there were, there were, obviously there were occasional incidents, but there was this one lad in the year below me who must have been about 14 or 15 who made a pass at this other kid. Um, and um, he... He had a horrible time. He was suspended, and kid and parents dragged and dragged up to school, and then and he obviously he was never allowed to forget it then for right. the rest of the time. So so yeah, there was I I, I know I'd have I'd have just been much happier in a mixed environment. I think it's healthier. I think particularly for 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 boys. I I've always I mean it's a cliche, but I'd always got on better with female friends, um, and just being around a lot of sort of mainly sort of rugby obsessed lads which sounds fantastic obviously in one way but in theory again, and not um yeah i just wasn't as as happy as i could have been and it was a mixed sixth form so i was happier then okay um but also all the kind of things that schools do now. and I, I look back at it now i've somehow man- ended up being on a mailing list for former pupils and they've got this amazing drama studio now and incredibly i think only a year or so ago they've now got an lgbt society at my old school amazing um and the headmaster is giving speech speeches about it, which is just uh, wow. amazing and wonderful. Wonderful, and I think back to to one of our awful old Latin teachers, Mr. Ditchfield. He's dead now. He is dead. Um, giving us a lesson going on about how what an abomina- abomination homosexuality was, and oh, how really how <laughs> his main his main objection was <laughs> Bunsen shush. <laughs> See, it's it's all right. He's dead. Don't worry about it. Yes, yeah, he's gone. Um, his main objection would be about how un- unhygienic it was. <laughs> Which are you kind of even conjuring up ideas, images for these, I don't know how old you must have been, maybe about 13, 14 year old boys. About... He'd clearly never met a homosexual. Well, I know. I think he met the actual act. I don't think he meant we kind of don't wash our <laughs> hands or, say, well, and all that. Have you but... seen our houses? <laughs> exactly. The polish? But again, there was, a, and there was a lad in our, in our class then, and I remember then. I, I don't I, I, I did know I had I, I was kind of I had the penny had dropped about my sexuality then but I so remember so what age would that mean so I must have been about 15 okay um, and I remember this lad who I don't think was gay but he actually challenging him on it and kind of saying I don't I don't think that's right so I don't think I don't agree with you and and I remember then and I know other lads in my class as well kind of they wouldn't have said it at the time but I thought god that's brave um, given what the environment was like at the school and kind mm. of to challenge a teacher 
like that. I thought, I thought, good on you. From there, you went to uh, university? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, three years at Sheffield Uni doing English Lit. Right. Um, because I kind of, I, the, the assumption had always been that I'd, I'd go somewhere um, because, I'd, because I was good academically. Um, and so, jumping back slightly, what point did you start performing? Did you start, well, acting? Um, first thing I ever did that I remember was was at primary school, at infant school. I was I remember I was I was the sorcerer and the sorcerer's apprentice. Okay. Um, and I always got the I always got the lead roles in school plays and uh-huh. stuff like that. But I remember much to my chagrin at the nativity because I I really wanted to be one of the three wise men because they had the best costumes. <laughs> um, and I was narrator one. <laughs> so Damn. because because obviously they wanted someone to do the speaking, but I wasn't yeah, the yeah, best yeah. by that. Um, yeah, and then compared to obviously the school now, this fabulous drama studio, we didn't have anything like that. Yeah. And I, I, I used to go to Saturday drama clubs, um, and uh, I'm still in touch actually with one of my drama teachers, Mrs. Payne, um, and I used to love that. Mm. But there wasn't much of that at school. I mean, compared to again, kids now with stagecoach and all the things they can do it sure. all, all the time. And I, I, I wish I'd have like started dancing and stuff when I was a kid, but mm. I never did anything like that. Um, but then, at, finally, at the um, in the sixth form, then then we did musicals as well. So I did um, we did Fiddler on the Roof, and My Fair Lady. Um, I was the tailor, Mottle Cam's Oil uh-huh, in uh-huh. Fiddler on the Roof, and I loved it. I lived for that production because uh-huh. obviously, in that way, when you're at school, you rehearse it for about five months. And I was yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. obsessed with it. And there's that I've, I, my mum, funny enough, they, they they videoed it, and my mum just recently had it transferred to DVD. So I just watched it the other day. But it's it's funny because he's got one song, "Miracle of Miracles." Yes, wonder of wonder, which is supposed to be yeah. this, um, obviously, burst of joy. The fact that he's been allowed to marry his sweetheart. So, but but it's it's his solo number that he sings to title his his new yeah. uh, his betrothed, and you watch that performance and like. As far as I'm concerned, there isn't another fucker on that stage. Uh-huh. I fling this poor girl around from once, and I don't think I look at her once. It's all about making eye contact with the audience. And I'm just like, this is my solo, this is my moment, and I'm not looking at you. Sorry, not sharing the time, not sharing the time. Um, I have done the show myself. I was the I was the evil Russian policeman. Oh in, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I was that the constable. The constable. How's your Russian you. accent? Um, at the time, it was terrible. I have since played a Russian, and apparently I was I, I was speaking, I was speaking Ooh. French, right, with a Russian accent. So apparently that and that wow, worked well okay. uh, last year. But yes, at that point, no, not so good. Where did you do Fiddler? Uh, Fiddler at the Wimbledon Theatre. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, in ninety, I want to say ninety six or ninety seven. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a great show. I love it. I think yeah. it's brilliant. Um, so yes, I do know the song. Yeah. Um, so what was the point where you thought, okay, this might be a thing I can actually do as a as a career, as a life? Um, only after university, actually. Um, okay. I'd always loved it, but I'd always just thought, oh, well, it'll just be something I do as a hobby. It'll be an amateur thing. Yeah. Um, and in a complete sort of reversal of the way these things are supposed to be, after three years at university, where I'd done very little work they basically they'd made the mistake of, of telling us at the, on a, my very first lecture that lectures were optional so I never went to another one um, and and I spent all my time doing stuff with the university theatre group so I, I ended up 
joining the committee and I was vice chair of the committee and I direct I directed I stage managed I acted I did a whole load of did front of house okay. so a whole load of stuff then and and that summer after, when I finished um no it must have been before then I must have been coming to, to the end of, of my, my degree, having a conversation with mum and dad about what, we do ne- what I do next. Um, and then and, and my dad's saying to me, well, I've spent my whole life doing this job that I hate. Don't, don't do that. Give it a go. Um, and I think you should go for it. Uh, apply to drama school and, yeah. and see what happens. Um, and at least if it doesn't work out, you know you've always you'll have given it a go. So... Um, so I did. Hello. Are recording? We are, but it's okay. That's right. <laughs> Don't say hello. <laughs> hi, Lai. Hi, 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 listeners. <laughs> hello. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Right. Now for cough. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So you were start. So you you tried everything because you were doing stage management and, and all the other bits and pieces, and so the love was growing from that point. I guess that's when because you were able to see it from all perspectives. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd, I'd, um, I, I never seriously thought about going into stage management. I mean, I'm not remotely practical no, enough. But, but, it, it gave but you the... sitting on the sitting on the desk with the book is quite is quite yeah, exciting. Yeah. Calling the show, um, um, but what it did mean is because I then started applying to drama schools um, and applied to Mountview um, because a because um, I was interested in doing musical theatre then, and they had kind of one of the best reputations for that. But also. It, because it was a, f- I knew I couldn't afford to do a three-year course, and I didn't really want to. I wanted to kind of, I'd already done my three-year degree. I didn't want to go and do three years again, so I only applied for post-grad courses. And Mountview, uh, okay. because it was four terms rather than three, was about the only postgraduate course that was officially accredited by Equity, which meant that at the result, at the end, you got your provisional Equity card. Um, sure. As opposed to which you got on all the three-year courses, but most of the postgrad you didn't get your provisional yeah, equity yeah. card. And of course, um, you're, you needed your equity card in order to to get into the business. It was this sort of um, catch twenty-two situation where you could only get a job if you had an equity card, and you couldn't get an equity card yeah. without a job. Yeah, yeah. Um, or at least it was until literally that following year, <laughs> in which case they they scrapped. Uh, the clothes shop in equity there. and nobody needed an equity card anymore so it didn't make the slightest bit of difference and I could have gone anywhere <laughs> but you didn't know that at the time I didn't know exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, so Mountview yes um, how was your time there it was, was alright yeah it was alright um, I learnt some you just say Mountview Theatre School yeah. in North London for people who aren't from London or aware of is uh, is and its main thing is musical theatre really isn't yeah, it yeah 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 I mean dance classes were great I learned a lot and I've, I've my um, that was really useful um, my main thing was I uh, within our group there were kind of three tiers there were mm. kind of there were the sort of stars of the year the three or four who, who were just the, the course sort of head of the course thought were amazing and then there were a couple at the at the bottom who they really were merciless with who I just thought if you, if you think they're this awful why did you allow them on your course mm-hmm. and they were really given a hard time and then the rest of us including me were sort of just floating about in the middle who were neither who just no one was really very interested in really um, and there was, as a result I actually came out of drama school with less confidence in my abilities as an actor sure. than when I started and I think that's something you hear a lot and I think it's the one thing that I kind of I after paying 
several thousand pounds to go to drama school um, you kind of think that's that's sort of unforgivable you kind yeah. of I, I think because so much of this business and having a career it's a fraction of that is talent mm -hmm. and then a huge amount of it is confidence and luck and being in the right place absolutely and the one thing drama school should do is if they think you were good enough and they saw some kernel of talent to have you there in the first place as opposed to just wanting to take your money is that they should equip you to go out there and and have the confidence to go in and audition and we used to do these audition classes once a week where you'd go in and sing a song and i think the whole approach to it was just psychologically backward back to front yeah because it was all about they the building up this big um audition class as something to be scared about or, and maybe the, the reason was okay well you're going to be nervous in real life so we're kind of replicating that and it's seeing whether you can still perform your song at, at, at that point but all it just meant was you ended up dreading that that session a week yeah and and whereas what it should have been would be an opportunity to kind of go okay I, this is my chance to perform I mean I th and I think that and that's the attitude that I look at now with auditions and which I think is a far healthier way of, of doing it of course we get nervous of course especially if it's a job you really want but if you try and look at it in a positive way is okay this is an opportunity to perform in front of a group of people which is supposedly what you what what you enjoy doing yeah. as an actor yeah. and i think if the if the kind of the, the psychological approach had been a bit more like that it would have just been much much healthier mm -hmm. um, so it was quite, I, it was all right i but. think as you say i think that's quite a common i think that's a common thing and you hear that story over and over again that people come out of of of, of drama schools uh, and I mean, definitely for me, it was the same thing. It felt as though, I mean, and I was playing because I am a character actor. I was playing mm. old men, mm. Mm. and that's okay. And now I'm an older man, mm. and that's all right. But when you're in your twenties, and yeah. that's all you're given, and you kind of, I was also the, well, he'll be all right. And I felt like I was filling space, yeah. So the the, the four stars of the year could could shine, and the rest of us just kind of fitted in around them yeah. Um, yeah. so I think it's a common thing yeah yeah absolutely um, I think it's a shame really um, it's not as if I, and, uh, and I, I think the other problem as well is, is not always but some of the people who teach at drama schools they, they don't want to be teachers they want to be they, they're, they're actors themselves yeah. and they want to be out there acting and, and the danger that you then end up with this group of kind of fresh-faced enthusiastic ideally talented young people the, the, the temptation to kind of slightly take out your sort of bitterness at the fact that your career isn't where you wanted to be on these on these sort of young things is, yeah. is, is very is very tempting which I think that happens as well it does it definitely does happen um also in tandem at what point well this is probably before you got to Mountview or even university at what point what point actually it's probably going way back to junior school or infant school even what point did you recognize your own sexuality did you kind of have a point where you went oh this is the diff this is different this yeah, is yeah. the other what age would you have been well i know exactly how old i was actually and i was comparatively late i was talking about this um to mark my partner the other day um i was i was 15 when it when the penny dropped um and i don't know I don't really know why, but I think it just hadn't really occurred to me before then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, because I, I, I've, I've kept a diary, I write a diary and I've kept a diary since I was 
11 years old so I've got over 30 volumes wow. of the puckers now sitting up in the loft so I could I can, I can categorically can go actually... back and see exactly how I was feeling at one point and I know in my sort of 1988 diary when I was what 13 the, the little section at the beginning about what your aspirations are what aims I wanted to marry Kylie <laughs> which obviously at the time I, I, was, I was thought that, w- that was a perfectly yeah, entirely heterosexual <laughs> ambition but <laughs> maybe may reading between the lines <laughs> that's <laughs> a more, wonderful a more astute observer might have, might have seen it slightly differently <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah but I was kind of but it wasn't because I, I, don't, I, I don't think I ever thought I fancied her and I certainly didn't kind of fantasise about yeah, her or anything like that yeah. no um, and it was it was weird. It was it was spring of nineteen ninety, and I just had a kind of Damascene moment, if you like, of oh, God, I I fancy blokes, and by a complete coincidence, that weekend, there happened to be uh, they were showing Morris, the E.M. Forster yeah, yeah, yeah. Merchant Ivory film with James Wilby yeah. and um, Hugh Grant, and and I looked at the Birmingham Evening Mail and was seeing what was on and and saw that this was a gay theme film I was like okay right well and I'm sh- um, gay men our age pre-internet and anything like that yeah, yeah. the the idea now of kind of that sort of, of uh, which would just be unheard of and, and kind of inconceivable to younger LGBT people realising their sex- sexuality of mm-hmm. kind of not being able to just go onto the internet and do some research and look for things it, it, it was a it, it was a no surreptitious video thing. to guide you through yeah. how to to do it all and you kind of you, you, you were starved of anything like that of, of, and so you just looked and I'd scour the TV page to see if, if, a, if a TV play or a film or a documentary or anything like that had some kind of hint that there'd be something gay in it mm. and I would I would either try and watch it secretly by smuggling the t- portable TV into my bedroom with the volume turned up literally to the lowest uh, the mm-hmm. first amount that you can actually hear something and my finger poised over the off button in case someone Just came in, in. Um, and and Morris was the first one of those and, um, and by coincidence my mum and dad were out with friends that night um, but I wanted to I wanted to video it anyway just to kind of to, to, to sort of keep it and then watch mm. it at, at, at my leisure mm. um, and they got they came in from their night out and it was still on and I remember my mum saying, oh, um, oh, what are you videoing then? Um, switched the telly on. And Morris is not a particularly racy film, no. but there is, one, there is one bedroom scene where James Wilby and Rupert Graves are naked. And of course, the point where uh, mum turns the film on, there's, uh, there's Rupert, either Rupert Graves or James Wilby or possibly both of them sitting there with their cocks out. Yeah. Uh, so I got very flustered, embarrassed and... And came out with a whole load of, oh, we're doing Ian Forster at school at the moment. I don't know if I've heard of this. And, and, um, and, and, that, and, and presumably was completely transparent about it. Um, yeah, so it was, it was weird, really. And I hadn't, I mean, God, looking back, the Kylie thing above anything else, the fact that, I mean, I say to my mum now, because she was, when, when, when she found out, she was surprised. But God, at the age of three, she'd knitted me a pair of yellow woolen plaits so that I could be Agnetta from ABBA, and, and I was dancing <laughs> around the living room to take a chance on me. Um, I cried at the end of ABBA the movie because I didn't want it to finish. Yes. And, and I look at videos of, of, of myself now. There's, there's a, well, it was a cine film back then, um, which has been tran- tran- uh, transferred to video and now to DVD. Yeah. And there's my younger brother in the back garden with his cowboy Stetson and holster kind of 
swaggering up and down. I mean, we must be six and eight. I must be eight. He's six. He's swaggering up and down the garden path doing that. And there's me with my reversible Cinderella doll. Rags on the one side. Rag, one, rags on the one side. You turn a skirt upside down, and it's the ball gown. Uh-huh. Me sort of running up and down the, skipping up and down the the garden path with with Cinderella, and you kind of go any neutral observer. God, the signs were all there. I said to him, I said, my godmother, if you, <laughs> you really should have known. <laughs> but, but but now looking back, does she kind of say, ah, oh, yeah? Oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful. You had I had a I had a, I had a Cindy doll. Uh, and I an action man, and they they often would go on dates. And I wouldn't. Of... I don't think I'd have been. Bra- I wasn't brave enough to ask for a Cindy doll. I remember going round to our next door neighbours, the two girls who lived next door, and playing with their Cindys. Um, I think I inherited mine, right? By just kind of, sort of being handed by a, an older female f- friend of the family who was passing toys on. Right. But yeah. I did enjoy. Um, anyway, we've gone right back to um, so so. Then anyway, so then you're at Mount View, and and did you did you go out and did you ever go out and grab experience the scene and the world of of of, of gay in London, or did, did that no one no one knew as much as I could and should have done. I, it's a bit of a regret, really, um, because. I'd been, at, I'd been at university in here and I'd kind of gradually come out at uni over the three years to a, a, a close circle of friends to, to by the point I was in my second, end of my second year, my mm. whole of my third year, everyone I knew, mm-hmm. uh, n- not everyone I knew was gay, everyone knew I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line from another thing, That's, I've heard that one before. Uh, yeah. um, but, and I remember, I remember going to the student union's monthly gay disco night which was called liberation in my i think at the i think it was the end of my first year and at that point i'd only come out to a couple of of close friends there um and i went along stupidly on my own i got there this is a sign of how naive i was arrived at like eight o'clock got got into the kind of the 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 bars and there was literally i think there were two lesbians there and i i was just there on my own panicked and went and locked myself in the loo for 45 minutes and then went and then left and went home again um so and then finally my final year i i went along to the the um it was probably i think it was predated the whole lgbt acronym then so i i think it was the gay sock or whatever it was called then yeah 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 um and had a couple of pleasant sort of flings there and had my sort of first boyfriend if you like mm-hmm. uh, whilst I was there but but there's no there was no there was one little gay pub in Sheffield and that was the limits of the gay scene there oh really so I didn't do anything oh, okay. there um, and then in between and, and actually we're jump, jumping about again in time but mm. my, my year be, uh, after my year at university because I couldn't afford to go to drama school straight away I actually moved back home to live with my parents for a year and okay. I um, and I just kind of hibernated for a year, just earned money to, in order to be able to pay for those, pay for the fees. Sure. And I didn't kind of do anything um, gay-wise then. And so, and so, and I think, and then when I started at Mountview, because it was an intensive course, it was only a I year. Was, yeah. There, were, I, I just kind of didn't no time. have time, and I, um, and there was always a new song or a new bunch of harmonies or a dance routine or lines or a monologue to learn mm-hmm. so so I didn't really I do remember th- I think the first time I went to to GAY at the old fabulous old Astoria oh, which, isn't, Astoria. which isn't even which there anymore there, yeah. I rem- remember walk- walking in and they were playing clips of Neighbours and 
Dallas and they were playing Kylie and Abba and having spent all my life growing up all these things being something that 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 I felt embarrassed about Mm -hmm. that I kind of didn't really tell people I liked or did because I'm not even because I I thought it would mark me as as gay just I think just because I knew there was something a bit um nobody else embarrassing about yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. suddenly walking into that space and just kind of go all the things that I I loved and had loved since I was like three years old being celebrated on that big screen I remember thinking I've come home Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so that kind of sense of belonging as well, but I did. I didn't make as much of it as really I, I could and should have because I think, I think that sort of well-behaved little boy who felt that he should um, have all his homework done on time and learn all his lines. It was that was still me. Mm-hmm. I kind of I never I didn't really ever rebel. I'm I'm sort of more I'm bolshier now as I've got older, I think I'm more confident than I've ever been in life. But I think that's partly mum and dad. I think they were, they were, they were brilliant parents. I love my parents dearly, but I, they, they really impressed on us about being well-behaved and being, being sort of uh, not upsetting people and being, being good. And I think that kind of had a big, did have a big influence on me. Sure. So, I, so I didn't want to rebel or upset people or anything, which not is why, the boat, yeah. which is clearly why I'm having all these dreams now where all this pent up aggression <laughs> for years of getting at No, that's interesting. Um, but um, the, the fact that, say, I mean, you're saying that you were, you were going, oh, you weren't going out and you didn't have the time. Um, and then you kind of went into, well, then into career, I suppose, kind of takes over. Yeah, and... well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I spent, <laughs> I mean, it's not, I wasn't living like a nun. No. But, I mean, and I'd, but the f- sort of, the, the flings that I had at drama school tended to be with other students. Sure. And maybe one of the, one of the tutors. Because everyone was aware of the time constraints. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I haven't got time to get in the centre of London. It, it has to be someone living in Wood Green. Wood Green. And of course, pre grinder and all that. And there wasn't, well, there wasn't. The, the internet was just starting, but mm. I, I, I wasn't using it. I, I, went on, I went on one date with a guy that I met through the personals at the back of QX or Boys magazine. All right. Which was kind of all right, but nothing happened. We literally God, just had yes, personal ads. Yeah, I, I actually I responded to, to kind of one of those. Um, but yeah, so I, it's, not, it, it's not like I got down to London and went, well, hey, look, the, yeah. the world is now my oyster. I was, very, I was still very kind of sensible and because I didn't have a, didn't have much money as well, well that's a huge kind of, yeah that was definitely a huge part of it because yeah. I think I got myself into a lot of debt yeah being being young and gay yeah you see and again <laughs> I was too sensible to do that well, um yeah it probably it probably did did you favours in the in the long run yeah, yeah 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 um so yes I'm now now I'm going to give you a few because I've just had a peruse through Things that I know, things I've known you've done already, and things I've seen you do, but also things that I haven't seen you do, and just to get your thoughts on a, a handful of your okay. your greatest okay. hits. Okay, it's like the quick fire round. Yes, this is the, the, okay. the th- thoughts on. Okay, so we're going to go first of all jump to scenes from an execution. Thoughts on that one? Well, that was the first. I did that just after Lily's. Um, I was going to say that. That was twenty twelve as well. Same year. There we yeah. Go, yeah. Um, and that was my first time at working at the National, which was yes. just one of obviously and. An, an, actor that's just a dream come true to actually get to work at the National Theatre Um, and it was yeah so that was particularly exciting and it was a really interesting play Um, I'd I'd done a 
a How- one Howard Barker play when I was at university, so I knew him a, knew him a bit, and I was a little bit wary only because it's quite esoteric stuff. Mm. It's it's very, it, it, there's nothing naturalistic about it. There's a lot of poetical language, and it's very. And I, I thought, oh god, is this this looks like it could be not only quite complicated. I thought <laughs> it's just the first one I did. I thought it's it, there weren't a lot of laughs in it. It wasn't a lot. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. much fun. Uh, but actually, I mean, I think scenes from an execution and, and Barker sort of aficionados when and he himself would say it's a he's, he'd never been done at the the national, mm-hmm. and that was his, uh, and and I think that's his. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah, and that which was a big issue for him as well, that kind of a thing because he's fated in far more on the continent uh, mm-hmm. as a as a real major talent. Yeah. he'd just never been done, um, and that hasn't been done since. That's the only time he's been he's been uh, his work's been done at the national. Mm-hmm. But scenes from an execution is his most accessible play um, so I think and, and it was it was a wonderful experience Fiona Shaw played the lead and it, it's um, it's about a f- based based loosely on so a real was. life yeah um, woman from uh, 16th century uh, Venice Artemis Gentileschi and uh, it's it's really interesting because it's kind of I'm going to make it sound very dry now but yeah. it is it is funny but but it also it's a really interesting debate because she gets commissioned to uh, depict one of Venice's great sea battles by the uh, by the Doge and he expects her to do this wonderful sort of uh, painting which which glorifies Venice mm. and she paints war in all its horror and gore and everything and orig- and initially society are all outraged by it but then they kind of sort of come to love it and she, and then from her being being sort of this rebel this this rebel outside the outside the society she kind of gets drawn into it mm. so it's really interesting and what i really loved about it is it if just on that description you would imagine that um God, what's the name of the character i've forgotten the name of the lead character um in it but anyway it'll you, come to you you'd ima- you'd imagine that she's the heroine and that that's the the character that the audience is supposed to sympathize with mm-hmm. and actually she's Vain and fickle, and uh, and sort of willfully obtuse at times, and and you kind of you see the Doge quite sympathetically at times. And what I really liked about it is it wasn't a didactic piece where you kind of go, okay, this is who you're supposed to sympathise with, mm-hmm. and this is it. It really posed some interesting questions, and you you went out, uh, the audience went out there, kind of going, well, who's right? It's kind of it's a compromise, isn't it? Um, so it was it's great, a super, a super strong piece, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I think that was the first thing yes well obviously it was your first thing after Livy's so it was the first thing I'd seen you do yes um, and, and a nice part I mean just mm, a, a, yeah, yeah. only a few scenes but really sort of Saki uh, rival painter yeah um, and a fabulous costume oh my god the um, uh, the sort of the extremes of this job we do in terms of how much money one production has from the next <laughs> I, had this, I had this beautiful blue custom made coat um, which had to be then um, broken down the term obviously because obviously mm. they where they don't want people looking yep. as if they're wearing they're brand new clothes yeah, on stage yeah. so they had to m- sort of rip and, and mucky up this beautiful coat <laughs> and the designer Hildegard the designer remember for, she had uh, all these ideas for, for the characters um, and she showed me a few sort of photos of, of how she imagined my character and, and it was these uh, photos from her from a magazine of this model in a very similar kind of like this 
beautiful sort of green silk shirt and this blue jacket. And it was this model with jet black hair, sort of shoulder length and sort of moustache. And she said, so, so Hildegard's German. She said, so I was, I was thinking this is the kind of look that we could go for. And, and, we should, and uh, you could grow your hair and we'll dye it. And I, I said, Hildegard, I, I can grow my hair and I can dye it. I'm, still gonna, I'm not going to look like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so, uh, which I think she kind of accepted. I'm not, I'm not going to look like an Italian model. Even if I do that. <laughs> we'll try, but... Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so jumping on. Um, next one. And I'd only just remembered because I had... I, I wikipedia you. Wik, wik, wikied you before I, I met you earlier and forgotten you'd done this, but Michael Frey and Donkey's Years. Yeah. Thoughts on that one? Yes. Um, that was... God, that was about 11 years ago. Um, that was good fun. It was interesting because it had been in the West End and then it went on tour... Um, and it's one of his farces. Obviously, he's, he's probably m- best known for Noises Off, which mm. is the big theatrical farce. Oh, which, yeah. Donkey's Years is set in a university, at sort of, is it Oxbridge? I don't know if they ever say which it is. Yeah. But what, what was lo- really lovely about that, and I'm, uh, I, I met uh, Sarah Crow on that production, mm-hmm. who is brilliant and adorable, and who's, who, who we became really good friends, sort of that, and she's such a talented actress, probably best known by people from the she used to be the Philadelphia cheese girl and yes um, but uh, and she, she was in Carry On Columbus and um, and Four Weddings and a Funeral as well she's the she's the first bride in the oh, uh, in, God, in I hadn't Four even Weddings and a Funeral right yes um, so that that's my happiest memory of probably mm. from that production is is um, is working with her yeah um, because we stay good friends and we've just worked together again of course of course oh god yes um, so after after 10 what year was that again that was that been... 2007 I okay. Think. okay so yeah 11 years on and we've so we've just played husband and wife um, opposite each other and it's very very strange that thing of actually having to kiss an old friend in that mm-hmm. in that way yeah yeah <laughs> far worse than just turning up and having to do a love scene with a complete stranger on your first day everybody else is going to go oh god okay this is an old friend of mine who I'm now going to have to kiss. Well, this is the thing. I, I suppose in some ways it's kind of... It can work either way. It can be like, well, we know each other so well, it doesn't really matter. Or, well, this, you're my family. Yes, it, it was a bit like that. It was, it was fine and we got over it. And she's a, she's a, very, light, she's a very nice kisser. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a bit weird. <laughs> um, OK, I'm going to throw another one at you. Uh, Great Britain. Yeah, that was the second time at the National. And that was... That was an amazing experience. Um, and year was that was twenty fourteen. There we go. Yeah, um, which and it was a new play about the phone hacking scandal um, yeah. and um, the news of the world and Millie Dowler and all those kind of things. Um, and I had the audition for that. My agent rang me and she said, um, "I've got this audition for you at the National, but it's a top secret project. They can't, they won't tell me, and I can't, uh, yes. I can't tell you what it's about." So they're not sending you the script in advance. You, you get there early, get there half an hour before the audition, and they'll give you the script there, mm. you can read it, and then you can go in. She said, but it's a new play by Richard Bean. That's all I can tell mm-hmm. you. I literally Googled Richard Bean National Theatre new play, and the first thing that comes up is an interview from a year or so ago where Richard Bean says, yeah, I'm writing a play, a new play for the National about the phone hacking scandal. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I think oh, he didn't, right, okay. didn't quite so get quite get the memo um, so I had a little bit of, of, of pre, pre-warning for that but that was fine I mean because that was working with, with Nick Heitner yes. and it was his penultimate show that he did before leaving the, the National as, as artistic right. director yeah. um, and, what, and 
so exciting because we had to rehearse the whole thing in secret because Nick's whole big idea with the play was that most state of the nation pieces or, or something that deals with a, a current affairs issue obviously by the time the thing has happened someone then goes away and writes a play about it it gets workshopped edited they decided to find a theater everything it's it's at least a year on yeah. so it never feels very current whereas yeah. the whole idea with this was that it would it, the idea was that it was literally it would open what the well, well they'd announce it and the tickets would go on sale the day after the verdict for the phone hacking trials came in which is what happened so but uh, it meant that we had to rehearse the whole thing in secret because uh, Rupert Murdoch's lawyers were so on top of anything that they thought they could use to convince the judge to rule that there was a mistrial mm. anything that they thought was prejudicial against Rebecca Brooks and the rest of them right, yeah. so there was a real fear that if they knew that we were rehearsing a play that they that they could um that they could that that the the case would be scrapped, which would be obviously terrible in its own right, but particularly terrible publicity for the national. That they'd had to a trial which which lasted over six months and cost millions of pounds yeah. had been scuppered because of, of this. So we were all under strict disorders that we couldn't tell anyone what we were yeah, doing. So that whole rehearsal process was so exciting, and also because it was something that I had a have a vested interest. Well, not a vested interest, but have an interest in anyway. <laughs> I, anyone who looks at my Twitter feed well now I'm I'm off always banging on about press regulation and and um and no, like that. good reason as well yeah well I just think and and I was interested anyway and then as a result of doing that that play and the research we did with that and just finding out just how people's lives are ruined by the tabloid press in this country and it kind of it goes funny funny enough it kind of it goes back to being a, a, a kid as well I mean mm. again that whole atmosphere of growing up in the 80s with the sun particularly the sun with every uh, seeing those headlines and seeing and reading any of the stories or comment pieces about puffs and, and all that and just the virulent homophobia from from the the son under the oh. editorship of Kelvin McKenzie yeah. who was represented as a character in this play as well because it, it kind of went went back sort of several years um, and I and I th- and just the the vested Interests and the power that these people and it's completely unaccountable. The press mm. in this country, they they're they're, they're unanswerable. They're, they're not answerable to anybody, um, and they of course it's convenient for them to kind of um, to present it as oh this is uh, it's celebrities who don't want people looking into their private lives, but actually it's the ordinary people who are who are really treated appallingly. Yeah. The the Chris Jeffries who was accused of who was basically convicted of murder by the tabloids yeah. the Dowler family, all of those people who were, who were unbelievable um, no, misery um, so, so I was so the, and the day because we'd finished rehearsing the play we were ready to go mm. and because the, 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 court, the, the court case lasted a couple of weeks longer than, than was expected, we were kind of, we were sort of sent home and just told to kind of wait and, until, uh, until the court case was over and I remember I was walking the dog upon Highbury Fields mm. when my friend Barbara who, happened, who was in the, sh- the show with me rang me she said have you heard the, the verdict's in they've let her off um, so all our hearts sank um, and then we went and, and did the play but how wonderful to be impl- I mean uh, to, 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 to care something that you're already say you invested mm, in mm. personally because you cared about the real people yeah to actually be able to go and do that and tell that story and because not a lot of I mean this is the thing people people don't often realise and I think all the people I've talked to 
to be able to do a project where it's where it actually matters to your heart mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often so yeah. I think that's wonderful um, sorry I'm jumping through loads because there's so much because you're so prolific <laughs> um, well we did well I mean let's just jump to because your most recent thing because obviously you were so you were in the Noel Coward with Sarah Crow yes um, and that was a collection of pieces yeah yeah um, tonight at 8.30, tonight at 8:30. It's called, which is slightly confusing because obviously when they were performed by Noel Coward in the 30s they were on at 8.30 and, and ours never were so um, so I, I, when I first told people about it I said look I'm in this play called Tonight at 8.30 but don't, it, don't it, 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 and don't turn up tonight it's not on tonight we're still in rehearsal it's not on tonight it's not on at 8.30 <laughs> either um, but yeah he, um, he basically he wrote a series of, of, of short plays one act plays I don't know them yeah no well I, I didn't um, no I didn't either oh no I tell a lie I'd seen one of them we were dancing I'd seen at the Old Red Lion a couple of years ago which had been done with a couple of other short Noel Cow plays but none, none of the ones from this collection mm-hmm. so they were he wrote ten originally and normally only nine get if, if, if they're revived at all actually um, sometimes they just do three or six but, it, but I think it was the first time that all nine of them had been performed in London since the 30s since Coward and Gertrude Lawrence oh, had wow. done them uh, themselves so that w- I, it was it was crazy though because we we had to do nine plays um, in a five week rehearsal period, um, so it felt at times I mean it was it was amazing and uh, but there were times where it, it felt like this this feels more like a sponsored event than a job. It feels like we should go <laughs> be going around with sponsorship for and say, will you sponsor me to try and do nine plays in <laughs> in five weeks? And there's horns blowing at the end of the first. Day. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and then and that because at weekends we performed all nine plays. On Saturdays and Sundays. Wow. At eleven thirty, three thirty, and seven thirty. My goodness. Um, yeah, epic. Yeah, epic. But it was it was nice because I and because some of them have got songs in as well. I was I, I was I, I get to, I got to do a bit of singing and dancing, which I've not really because you get because it, you can kind of get pigeonholed and people think if you do musical theatre yeah. you can't act. Yeah. I've I've not really I've not really done much of it since. So it was nice to kind of do a bit of singing. Yes. So Michael Boys in the band. Yeah. And um, which you were nominated for Best Actor alongside all sorts of wonderful people. Kenneth Branagh, um, Jamie Parker, Ralph Fiennes, yes. Ray Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. I know, ridiculous, isn't it? I no, had uh, for the, the What's On Stage, What's on stage? The What's On Stage Awards and um, I had a phone call because I was down in Barnstaple. We'd finished doing Boys in the Band. Um, we did Because we did it in London and then uh, the Park Theatre and did a little tour and then we were going on and doing a, a, a short run in the West End and it was in between the two that Christmas mm. um, I was down in um, Barnstable rehearsing for Panto um, and I can't remember who it was now who rang me my, my friend Jason who who was involved with What's On Stage Awards had kind of said are you coming to the, the launch tomorrow mm. um, he, said, he said because I, I think it would be a good idea um, where they announce who was nominated, and I said, "No, I'm down in Barnsley. I'm, I'm, I'm rehearsing Panto." Mm. Um, but I just thought, "Oh well, maybe, maybe the show Boys in the Band has has, has been nominated for something, so that'd be nice." Um, so yeah, when I then got the message that I'd been nominated for that, I <laughs> very touched. But I just thought, "I bet, <laughs> I bet none of the others are, are strutting around a rehearsal room in Barnsley in a pair of high heels." Well, possibly in McKellen. He might. He might. <laughs> I, have been. I can. Gar- <laughs> okay, I take it so, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At home. 
casually. <laughs> and I, I, I did quite like, I mean, if, if any of them were even remotely uh, aware that they'd been nominated for the award, I did quite like the idea of them looking around this and go, okay, I've Rafe's up for this, and, and Ian and, and, and McKenna, and uh, uh, who? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, well, but yes, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So no, it was it was very, it was it was it was lovely. It was a lovely cherry on the on the cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so you, you yes, yeah, so you toured with that as well, didn't you? You were all over the place because I remember I saw it in. What did I see? I saw you, you in Brighton. Brighton, you came then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's great production. No, it was uh, it was no, it was very special. It was lovely. Um, I'm very very proud of it, and um, yeah, it was great. And the yeah, first time you'd worked with the hubby. On stage. On stage, yeah, yeah. We'd done a little bit of filming before, but yeah, first time I worked with Mark, which was nice as well because we'd spent the first half of the year he was film, filming Sherlock and I was away on tour mm. for a bit, and then I came back, and so we hadn't seen much of each other that year, um, and so it was really nice to just spend some time with him. And we did a few, quite a few interviews, and of course, inevitably, most journalists ask the question: So, is how is that? Is it well, going to be course. a problem? Is it going to be an issue? And we we just ended up going. We do like each other. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not a chore There's spending a time together. Yeah. Although I, I mean, I do get that. I can see there are there are some relationships or some couples where the idea of, of, of working together Scrap that on question. a daily basis <laughs> exactly would have, would be a, be well, a yeah. bit of a nightmare. I mean, let's think about uh, uh, Liz and uh, Richard. Burton and Taylor. Oh yes, yes. I was thinking. I was thinking Liz and Philip. Um. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're a hardworking. Couple. But he's retired yes. now, so yes. so yes. I'm, I'm sure it's much easier now. <laughs> they, so that, that they, they travel separately. I'm sure now. Um, well, anyway, we won't go yes, about it. Yeah. yeah, expanding on whether they have separate beds. Um, that's another podcast altogether. Okay, uh, let's talk about <laughs> moving on. So let's talk about dames. Something else we have in common. There is nothing like So, um, so, uh, what? When was? Who approached you? How did you first? What was your first step into dame shapehood? Well, Dayhood. I've always loved panto. I, it was the first thing that I was taken to see as a kid. Well, it would have been my, my first theatrical experience because I don't come from a remotely theatrical family. My my mum and dad. The idea of getting up and speaking in front of a group of people horrifies mm-hmm. them more than anything else. So the whole idea, um, and my brother plays the drums in a band. But you go and see him; he's he he loves playing drums, but he doesn't have, he doesn't he has no desire to actually perform because he keeps his head down and he just plays the drums. Yeah. Um, so. I, we didn't really go to the theatre, but mum and mum would always take us to at least one panto a year at, at the Birmingham Hippodrome or the Alex, and and often the the amateur panto as well. So we'd usually see at least two pantos each Christmas, mm-hmm. um, and I'd always always loved it. And I'd I'd auditioned for a few things over the years, and not really ended up getting them or doing them all. Although, and then I had several years where I was kind of the dates didn't quite work because if you do a job in the autumn, often it just went into like the second week of December. You go, okay, well now I'm not available anymore. For yeah, panto. yeah. Um, so I'd done I'd played comic which to anyone not a favourite terms is, is, is your kind of buttons um, yeah. idle jack wishy-washy type character so I'd done that once um, and then then I played villain at Above the Stag um, which is the oh, yes. LGBT theatre yes. here in London um, and I got on really well with um an actor called Matt Baldwin who had, who did Dame there and, and I said to him do you fancy teaming up as Ugly Sisters because Cinderella had always been my 
<laughs> obviously going back to the ragdoll Cinderella had always yes, been my favourite panto um, and at the back of my mind I always thought a bit of great fun to do Ugly Sisters I know, and I hadn't actually thought about doing Dame because yeah. I think doing that for the first time it's it's like it's a big deal uh-huh. and there's a lot resting on you because obviously everyone wants to see the Dame in the yeah. show and also as well I think because having gone to professional pantos as a kid and seen I'm sure we saw Les Dawson and Terry Scott uh, okay. and yeah, so in my mind some of the dames greats. yeah dames were were big cuddly personality and, and I'm kind of like, I just didn't feel physically didn't feel... that I was like a dame mm-hmm. whereas I did feel okay I, an ugly sister you didn't have to be there wasn't the same pressure to be because there's, there's always the the fat yeah. one and the thin one and yeah. I decided I was going to be the thin one and so Matt had to wear lots of padding <laughs> I kept I kept trying to fatten him up I did say look go on eat because he because Matt did used to be bigger and he lo- he then he got into the gym and lost a load of weight so he didn't want to go back mm, well yeah. no I no no so I was trying to force feed him cream cakes and it didn't work um, so I said to him do you fancy kind of going uh, going up for for ugly sisters together so he did yeah um, and yeah so we, and then we got we auditioned together and then got um, Barnstable uh, Cinderella that, that year um, and the year after that they, they wanted us to go back to Barnstable and we had such a, a good time and of course they weren't doing Cinderella again they were doing Aladdin then so they basically said to us well we'd like you to play um, wish, uh, Widow Twanky and Abanaz I so said the dame and the villain and they basically yeah, said yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and um, it's kind of up to you which way around you want to do it yeah. um, so we talked about it between ourselves and we decided um, mutual decision to um, that I would that I would do uh, Twanky um, and I re- and really enjoyed it I mean it's um, I think I think Panto is so important I think there's there's, there's a lot of snobbery about we talked about this before yeah there can be a lot of snobbery about oh you're doing panto are you and, and all that um but i think for so many kids it's like it was for me the first their first experience of theater absolutely and for a lot of kids it's their only experience of theater because the school parties come and if uh, if, if either their parents can't or don't want to or aren't interested in taking them to theater that's that's all they see so that that's your one opportunity to get them interested in live theater and live performance absolutely um and and so you don't want to fuck that up yeah you want you, you want it to be good and and that's why i mean I've, I've got no time anyway for people who are who are lazy or cynical about working because i think this is a we're so lucky to be doing this job and mm-hmm. i've got no time for any actives since they're moaning about oh they wish they were doing something else or they can't be asked to do, do the show else. this day exactly because there are there are, i tell you there are 300 people queuing up at stage door who yeah. willingly take your place exactly um, so yeah. I think it's no, always that, that is that does annoy me too. Yeah. So I think it's really important to be to be done well, and I, I I love it. I really enjoy it. I mean, it's just it's it's showing off, and you get and and as Dame, you get fabulous sort of costumes and uh, and get to be funny as well. And get to spend time in front of a mirror, putting lots of makeup on, and indulging yourself in your most ridiculous side, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't matter if you look ugly doing it. You kind know. of you don't have to. You don't have to be. Don't you don't have, have to do a drag queen to, contouring look. We're not exactly, <laughs> which we'll come to in a minute. Um, not that we are doing that personally, but however, um, they can imagine that we are though they, because they can't see us. Yes. <laughs> they can't see us, but you don't know how we look right now. We both could be sat in our tights and wigs, and um, anyway. Um, let's cover television before we go on to the, 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 the your your television work, um, and then I do want to talk about drag obviously the important because we have to get to that point yeah of course Um, but yes um, 
because you've done lots of bits and pieces. Um, you were in uh, Doctor Who as Alan Adale. Mm-hmm. Um, More tights. You had tights. <laughs> And 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 uh, and uh, and a lute. And a lute. Yeah, which which I couldn't really play. Oh, um, you, I was going to say, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it it wasn't playable. It was literally just sort of oh, strings, sort of hanging wrong. hanging loose. Um, okay. I can play the guitar a little bit, and I probably could have done it. Although I don't think I would have played a lute because they don't have frets in the same way, and and there were about twelve strings to it as well. I certainly can't play the twelve string guitar. <laughs> um, but no, they they. Uh, they went to all this trouble. There were little snatches of song that I had, had to sing, and the, yeah. the composer went to all this trouble of composing tunes for it. I was like, okay. So I learnt these tunes, but, and they, they actually got me an earpiece. I mean, this, again, talking about comparative amounts of money that productions have to, yeah, have yeah, to spend. Yeah. An earpiece so that I could hear the tune, but it was so slow. I'm like, this is going to take up half the show if I sing it at this speed. <laughs> so we just ditched the earpiece, and I just... I just kind of uh, just made it. something up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, Sherlock. Um, and then the one that I found, I think, is, and to a lot of my listeners who I know are big fans of the history of science fiction, was an adventure in space and time. Mm. That was a hugely interesting piece, and yeah. Um, yeah, well, and the funny, funny thing about that, I'd... Um, Andy Pryor, who casts Doctor Who and, and who casts that as well, because Mark had written it and he said, yeah. he, he'd, uh, Andy said about, uh, do, do you think uh, Ian would be interested in coming in for part? So I, I, I auditioned for one of the other roles and then Terry, who directed it, offered me Richard Martin, who was one of the first directors of Doctor Who, yeah. but who coincidentally I knew because he taught me at Mountview. Oh, no. um, and he wasn't, I hasten to add, he wasn't one of the tutors who made me feel like I was just the middle of the pack or whatever. He was lovely and very, very sweet. Um, so, um, so it was funny. I was able to, I actually knew him. Um, and he's a, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a lovely man. He's a hysterical man and uh, married and everything, but camp as a row, row of tents. Sure. Um, and I, he, wear, he still wears kind of cravats and waistcoats, which, they, right. which I had the, the, for the costume. Uh, but I, um, I did say to Mark, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to have to kind of tone him down a bit. I can't pl- play him as flamboyant because it's only it's a minor part. If, if I play him as kind of full on as and as, as sort of gregariously as he is in real life, people would be going, OK, calm down, love. It's only a small part. Used, they'd be going, well, here's this actor trying to build his part and suddenly making something of it. Um, and he rang here, actually. He, he kind of rang to speak to Mark because Mark interviewed all the people who... Who were still with us, obviously, who'd be, who and who were sure. going to be represented. So I did, as so I had a, a, a quick chat to him, Brilliant. which was lovely, because we actually filmed. He, he directed our TV project in the summer, and so we actually went to his house and filmed in his orchard. Um, wow! All those years ago. Wow! Summer of. It's funny that that comes around, and that it is a small industry, and because people kind of always joke about it, but it is actually that you know somebody you've taught, been up playing, mm. how many years later is is quite quiet quite a treat really especially if you like them yes exactly and you're yeah. sympathetic yeah if it had been <laughs> Mrs Alford Mrs Alford Mrs Alford I love her I love her um, also co-written with Mark and um, on um, oh, how many things oh, well there's Poirot was the main thing wasn't it That's yeah yeah I mean I'm kind of I'm not people have sort of said because you write obviously I do, I, um, yes yes players and bits and pieces and a few people have asked me in the past oh, have you ever thought about writing anything um, hmm. And I've kind yeah, of well, it's a kind of occurred to me because I did write. Obviously, I, I did English, and I used to like creative writing at school, but I, 
I guess I just I don't know what I I don't know what I feel strongly enough to actually sort of sit down and and write. Do you know what I mean? And I think like anything in this business, because a few people in the past have said to me as well, I think you'd be a good director, and all that. Mm. and I and I always just think, well, this is such an overcrowded business. There are so many people out there desperate to be doing these jobs. If I'm not, if I don't feel the same burning passion to direct or write that I do to act, I kind of think, well, there are lots of people who do. So why yeah. would I be doing it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean the the writing thing. I, I I'm I'm more of an editor than a writer. I think okay. and I, I've always Mark. I've always read Mark's stuff that he writes. So I, I'm giving him my thoughts. So I, uh, so to a greater or lesser degree, I kind of his unofficial script editor. Okay. And with the Poirots that that we we worked on, because I've always loved Agatha Christie as well, and mm-hmm. we, we, were, we were both big fans of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I got even more involved then and by the time we got to the third one Mark was particularly busy with funnily enough writing an invention space and time and the episode of Sherlock that he was doing so he had three 90 minute scripts on the go all at once that all had to be delivered at about the same time so it made sense for me to actually and also the the Poirot episode we did because it was one of the last ones to be adapted it was one of the one of the one of the hardest ones to adapt Mm -hmm. because obviously Mm -hmm. they'd gone through all the classics and by the time you by the time they had, um, they uh, got to the end of the series, it was only the dregs of, <laughs> of Dame Agatha's work with the best one in the world. Yeah, so yeah. there was a lot more work to do to try and adapt this, um, this this book. So I ended up writing a lot more of that. So mm-hmm. it was much that that fine, which which was why it was credited as co-written because I I wrote, I I wrote a lot of that with Mark. Yeah, because yeah. necessity really. In a way. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, RuPaul. Right. And we have. We did talk about it briefly before we uh, started recording. Mm-hmm. But my big question to you is, how on earth did you manage to get the selfie? <laughs> to persuade the biggest dame of all, and I don't mean Michelle Visage, yes. uh, to, to, to get in the selfie. How did, uh, did you explain that? You were at the Emmys, for goodness sake. That was exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, f- well funny enough, because RuPaul's Drag Race obviously has been, is it 10 years old now? Yeah. Is it something? Ten, well, yes, because ten. ten seasons. And there is one season yeah, 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 a year. Season, yeah. um, and various gay friends had said to me and Mark over the years, oh, you must watch this, you'd love it. And, God, would it have been about th- three years ago, three summers ago? Um, I was in Provence for the summer doing working on an opera over there. Mm. And um, we'd, we finally thought okay we'll give this a go and we watched the first episode of maybe season two or season three okay. and at the time we were obsessed with America's Next Top Model and we watched we watched this and we just went oh oh it's just like a it's just America's Next Top Model because it was the first episode where they used to do the photo shoot and so we kind of went oh well we're already watching that yeah, we won't yeah, yeah. do that so we didn't carry on watching anymore because we assumed that every it's week was be. just drag queens doing a photo shoot uh-huh. um so we we dropped it, and then of course people came and go, "Oh, you must watch it! It's amazing, amazing!" And then two and a half years ago, I was away on tour doing um, "Cat on a Hot Tin Roof," hadn't had the computer and Netflix with me. I thought, "Oh, I'll give it another go," and of course, ended up binge watching all the series that were on. And then get home to Mike and said, "Look, you've got to catch up so they could watch this together." Yeah, yeah. So then became, long story short, we we watched all of them then, um, and then I don't know when he actually realised. I think he he kind of. Shortly after that, obviously, he started following Rue and Michelle Visage on Twitter, yeah. only to realise that Michelle was following him already. And it, and it turns out that she is a massive fan of Nighty Night, the sitcom that he did 
God, ten years ago or more with Julia Davis. Um, so there was a, a an instant kind of mutual appreciation society going on. Yeah. Um, so as a result, she came to see the boys in the band um, when we were doing it at Park Theatre, and sort of met her then. And I, Mark's met her a few times since then. I've I'm always I'm always seem to be away working, so I've, I haven't actually seen her since then until we went to the Emmys last summer when Sherlock was nominated. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and, 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 and Michelle were. and Rue were there, so we had a quick introduction and a, and a quick chat and a quick selfie. And a selfie, so, you got the selfie. Though. Yes. So many homosexuals. <laughs> um, He's but, very tall, I had to, yes, I had to hold really... my arm a long way away. <laughs> and it does. It does slightly look as if he's. He doesn't look very comfortable in the in the shot. But we. we I fitted all four of us in at least. <laughs> it is wonderful. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those Emmy selfies that. Uh, yeah, you didn't I get know. It's, in a, it, but... it's a bit crass, isn't it? No, but you kind of go. You just think, oh god. You've got to do it. Got to do it. No, it. absolutely. Well, this is it. You th- think when. Uh, um. You uh, you just think when you meet these people. Yeah. Um, um. So just very briefly, because we both, even though we haven't watched it, we do know. Who's won yes. the season? Yeah, um, but I've got to pretend I pretend don't. you don't. I'm just well, I've got to pretend I don't know anyway for Mark's benefit. And just an earshot. Let's yeah. just be best not. But um, who? Just very briefly, who's been your who's been your favourite this season? Because you've been talking about it a lot in the last um, few weeks. Oh, I I like lots of them really. There isn't really anyone anyone I'd sort of disliked. I really I th- I, I do think Aquaria looks amazing yeah. um, and I think um, and I think her she kind of proved her comedy credentials as well as Melania Trump which I thought was, was fantastic Very as true. well um, I really liked Monet Exchange as well I thought I, I liked her a lot and I was I was uh, disappointed that she went home and also Miss Cracker I thought was really good I thought she mm. had a, a bit of a bum deal in that in that episode the, um, the evil twin one which yes. I didn't think was entirely successful um, no, I agree. But I kind of, I, I sort of, there are very few that I, I dislike because you, you, um, I mean, I'm, I, my favourite series ever is still series four, um, which I thought was was amazing. I, I'm, I'm Willem remains my favourite uh-huh. RuPaul Drag Race oh, really? queen of all time, um, and I just because I, I think he's, he's hysterical, um, and that very season forthright. with yes. Sharon Needles and Latrice Royale and Jiggly. Um, I think it was proper. Although we've we've only just caught up on All Stars too as well, having tried to watch it and not being able to get it anywhere oh. uh, because you can't get it legally over here. And the only way we wa- we were able to watch it in the end was on a YouTube video where it's a tiny per- percentage of the screen oh. with the with the vol- with the the speed turned up. So obviously so the, so that it avoids all the copyright searching technology that they've got going on. Yes, I so know we've exactly finally seen that. that. But I thought that was amazing as well. Yes. And three, you've got three. To, oh. No, we've watched. We've oh, watched All Stars. Yeah, oh, okay. we watched All Stars three. So we knew who we wanted. So, yeah. to. I know. I thought All Stars three was very disappointing. Um, do like I do love Ben de la Creme. Yeah, I you quite see, like, I, I quite like the the old fashioned yeah. show. You see, having said I like them all, actually, I remember on his original season. I remember him getting on my nerves a bit. And Mark and I were both a bit like, oh, when he won Miss Congeniality, we're like, really? What? And, I, I, uh, and I, I don't know. I think what. better in the sec- second, better yeah. second time around. Yeah, but that the developed. whole the whole stunt of of kind of eliminating herself was just weird. I kind of, I don't know what you're really achieving by that. Yeah, I suppose it. Well, I suppose it marks you then, and you don't have to. 
if you're not winning, if you think you're not going to win because yeah. you can see that there's a plan that the producers have, I don't know. Yeah, Who possibly. Whether they were, whether, but it seemed like it seemed, it seemed so obvious that she that she was going to win at that stage. Yeah. There wasn't didn't have any other contenders. Yeah. But I think that whole series was just. Uh, I think the danger, obviously, is. Uh, any of these things if they've been running a long time they want to sort of shake it up and change the format a bit and I think if you're going to pull a twist like that where effectively they choose the final two you, you have to like know that from the beginning if you suddenly spring it at that moment because it meant that actually one of the person people who definitely deserved to be in that final two didn't make it yeah. and, and so the whole thing feels tainted yeah pop will eat itself as they say it does a little bit with the drags but anyway um, a couple of last things mm-hmm. um I know that you're a big fan of ABBA. Who That's, told you that? It's just a honestly, I've been keeping that under a bushel. Yeah, have you? People will <laughs> people will find I'm gay if you uh, if you start banning um, that man. Uh, I think it's it's very much part of your your being, your soul, and your spirit. <laughs> but so first of all, favorite ABBA song? Under Attack. Favorite ABBA album? The Visitors. Ah, brilliant! I, I would have said the same. Mm. I'm not as big a fan as as you by any means, but. That's my favourite ever album. Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so on that note, other music that has affected you over the years, not nothing's going to affect you as much as ever. What other things have touched your soul and your spirit uh, from the word go till now? Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a walking cliche, I really am. I mean, I... I my favourite music is Abba followed by Kylie I mean I really literally couldn't be more of a, a, a gay cliche apart from the fact that I'm not I've never really seen the appeal of Madonna um, I know I know but I guess in that way I'm, I'm team Kylie as opposed to team Madonna I, always have, I don't know there was just it can be both yeah oh I know I know but if I had to, well not even if I had to choose because I, I just never really, really seen the point of Madonna well, no, no. Um, so and then other than that um, it kind of comes and goes I mean I, I really Obscure things. I mean, like seventies. I mean, there's a. Do you know seventies um, band called Fox? Um, oh yeah. Which uh, there's they, a couple of their sort of songs. Um, s- 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 single bed, and uh, exactly. only you can. And imagine me, imagine single you. Bed, I know. Have got some. I had it on a compilation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I've just been listening to them a lot recently, wow. um, and they've got some really, really great. I mean, I. I I'm, I'm. My taste in music is fairly calm and fairly naff. Um, I love musical theatre. I listen to sort of, again, uh, just fulfilling every sort of stereotype you could kind of oh, imagine. No, Tanita Tickerham, I've always liked to love. There we go. Um, and people in, other people who, not necessarily in music, but if it, across the board, people who, who have, who you would say have markedly influenced you, whether they be actors, politicians. I mean, obviously, family members, but people. Well, let's go for the for the people in the public eye first. People who have yeah, kind, of, kind of who you've looked to for <laughs> guidance, inspiration, or um, or even just hero worship. Yeah, well, I suppose the funny. Th- I mean, the, the 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 going back to my bedroom as a teenager, the people who I had, the the posters that I had up on my walls were Abba, Kylie, and French and Saunders. So, uh, <laughs> so I suppose, and I mean, and that's the God. That's the amazing thing. I've, I've, if you could tell the little, the thirteen-year-old um, Ian that he would actually meet all of those. Sure. In the course of his life, you'd be. It would be amazing. Last couple of questions. Um, pride. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still attend it? Do you still get involved in it? 
actually want to do it, or is it not the thing that you've ever kind of put yourself into that? Does it appeal to you? Do you go out and march? Um, I've, yes, yeah. I mean, I've not been many times, actually, ironically, mainly because often I've been working. Sure, so I've either absolutely. haven't, on a Saturday, yeah. I've either been out of London if I'm on tour, or there's several years where I, and I just wasn't available to yeah. do it. Um, I went to the first Birmingham Gay Pride in 1998. And I saw Hazel Dean, You're the second person Brotherhood of Man. It's on the podcast. Really? Yes. Who else was there? Yeah, um, uh, Tony Higgins. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And Margarita Prakatan. You remember her from oh Five James? Oh, my God, yes, of course. Hello, yeah, is it me you're looking for? Um, yeah. So I went to that. And I'm planning on going to Pride this year, and I went last year. Yeah. Um, for a few years, because I, because I volunteer for Switchboard, the LGBT plus mm-hmm. uh, helpline, um, I've staffed the stall there for a couple of years where we just sort of talk to people about what we do and, and volunteer. Um, Mark and I went actually two years ago, yeah, two years ago onto the main stage because we were plugging boys in the band. Sure. Um, and last year I went on the Above the Stag bus oh, and went with them. Uh-huh. So, so I haven't decided what I'm doing, but I think I, I, will, I will go this year. My friend um, Nikki is doing, is singing on the... I mean, you know Nikki Faraday, don't you? Yes, I do indeed. Um, so she's singing on the the women's stage, apparently. Oh, yes, so I'm going to go and I'm, I think I'm going to go and see yes. that. that as, but but other than that, I'm I'm kind of I might sign up for some of the switchboard stuff. But I'll 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 see. I'll be around. And I'll I'll we can and uh, just because they've been mentioned before on the podcast, I'll put on the show notes. I'll put the details for switchboard because I know other people have mentioned them in the past, and yeah. I just always include them just so it's there for people to. Oh, cool. Um, and. Actually, yes, I'm not going to... My other question was going to be, do you think it's necessary? But I think you probably do, and I think you've answered that question. But, I mean, you can... Yeah, well, I, well, I think I mean, nowadays, I mean, God, with politics in this country and across the world feeling as sort of as, as unstable as they do, and like anything is kind of possible, mm. I think we've made an astonishing amount of progress in the last 20 years and, and from when we were kids um, in terms of gay rights and LGBT rights um, to the point where it's no longer it's no longer sort of um, electorally viable for a political for a mainstream political party to be against LGBT rights Mm. even with the possible exception of the DUP Uh, but 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 even UKIP even UKIP didn't oppose gay marriage and so you that's how far we've come but having said that the caveat is of course who knows what could be rolled back in the future and I think we shouldn't get complacent so whatever pride becomes and whatever you feel about the uh commercialism and and whether and certain firms just sort of jumping on the bandwagon yeah. and putting rainbows all over their their produce or their products or whatever um I think it's it's an important thing. it's a it's a day of celebration and I think again I kind of compare to compared to uh, Sheffield with its one little gay pub um 30 years ago tw- well 25 years ago mm-hmm. when, 20 25 years ago when I was at university um it just that amount of visibility and the multiple ways that people can identify and or not identify in terms of gender and sexuality is 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 amazing yeah 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 um and it's not just about having to do something on the day it's not even about marching but it's about kind of recognizing it and 
it's a good time of the year to kind of just have a bit of a remembrance, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. Um, Pleasure. Before we disappear, um, where can people find you on the social medias? Um, I'm on Twitter mainly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Ian Hallard on Twitter. I, I am on. I, I have got an Instagram account, but I think I've posted two photos on it. <laughs> um, so I tend to just put stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm there. So that's where they can. Yes, if they want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. Pleasure.